Hey folks, Joseph Noob here. On this week's episode of the 1099, we discuss the Games and Online Harassment Hotline with the Hotline Coordinator, Jay Lynn. It's a wonderful conversation, but as you can imagine, we touch on topics like harassment and other issues that pervade the games industry that may be sensitive for some listeners. So, listener discretion is advised. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Welcome to another episode of The 1099. As always, I am your host, Joseph Noop, and I hope you are all staying safe and sound. Uh, we are <laughs> we are recording this on, what is this, Wednesday, uh, November 4th. Um, I, I woke up this morning and the election was looking in Biden's favor, but obviously still a ways to go. Uh, if you are, you are almost definitely listening to this after a final result has been reported, so you are probably either like... Like, oh, Joe, you you innocent fool uh, in, in so many different ways. But I, I thought what a what a good time for a podcast, too, because for uh, an hour of my life, uh, me and my guest get to uh, focus on a, a pleasant conversation and ignore the outside world. Uh, <laughs> we truly we are the two luckiest people in the world. My guest today is the uh, games and online harassment hotline coordinator, Jay Lynn. Jay Lynn, how you doing? I'm, you know, taking care of myself, doing as well as I can. Sending a lot of love out to the people I care about. <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's the important thing is letting others know that they are uh, not alone in these moments for sure. And which is obviously just a, a core aspect of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I, you know, I, I forget where I discovered the Games and Online Harassment Hotline. It's probably just like through Twitter or something like anything else, but uh it is a fascinating subject to me because, like, I, I myself have uh, called, uh, and for what it's worth, there will be a, a uh, uh, content warning before this recording begins, so don't worry, we're not, like, leaving people okay. out to dry here. Uh, you know, I, I have called uh, support hotlines in the past um, when I am feeling particularly depressed or anxious uh, or something traumatic is going on in my life. And uh, my, my partner has been public about their um, uh, perseverance through that. Uh, but let's start a little bit before that. I want to know um, who Jay Lynn is and how someone... I, I saw that you are a, a typographer. Mm -hmm. uh, how does someone like you get involved with uh, the Games and Online Harassment Hotline? <laughs> yeah, um, I guess I wear a lot of hats. I do do like uh, custom hand lettering um, as my art practice, and it's really important to me. Uh, but I guess um, I, I guess we'd have to go back uh, quite a bit further um, because there's this has been such a such a strange and interesting and winding journey that I've taken to get here. Um, so in like in my youth, <laughs> um, back in like high school, college days, I played a lot of this, um, custom map in Warcraft 3's expansion, The Frozen Throne, called Defense of the Ancients, um, which is now much more well known as Dota and its second form, Dota 2. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but I was, I was playing just like a ton of that game. Um, there were like, it was kind of early days of Dota Cash, which would create kind of a, a queuing system for folks to play with each other, um, in the custom maps. And, um, it, they had just kind of introduced like ranking systems. And so, yeah, climbing ladders and just like practicing and reviewing a bunch of like replays and stuff. It was, it was a blast. Um, I go into college, um, here in Austin and, um, discovered this, uh, really, uh, amazing blossoming community of esports folks. Not a lot who played, uh, Dota at the time, a lot more, um, 
StarCraft. Uh, and League of Legends was just kind of beginning at that time, too. This was probably around, like, 2011 or 2012. And um, I I just, I don't know, I, I felt really pulled to that community. And so I got involved in um, a collegiate club um, and uh, ended up taking on leadership positions as a tournament coordinator, but also wearing a ton of hats, as we all do um, in those smaller uh, smaller clubs. Um, yeah, so I uh, spent a lot of time in that club. I was really, really passionate about esports. Um, I like more than once I probably put the org and our events and tournaments and stuff ahead of my schoolwork and final exams. <laughs> oh, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, not to not even to speak of like my gaming, right? Um and at the time I was like really really happy to do that. This was um a really special and unique time in esports. I I think I we definitely knew it then, but like looking back, it's even more apparent um, because like yeah, in in those years, uh, like esports was really really just like a budding industry, and we could really just feel it like kind of about to explode in North America in a way that like I don't know North American esports scene hadn't really seen um, kind of the scale that was like happening and growing and coming. Um, so yeah, even, even then, like as a college student, um, I really saw a future for myself working in esports, like really giving the rest of my life to this space and this community. Um, it was like making a lot of really like cool and exciting connections. And I was like, I can totally leverage this and use this in my future. Um, however, uh, while like I just so cherished this org and had a great time, like, just like hustling and, and pulling together these um, these tournaments, even though we didn't really know what we were doing. Um, I was also uh, sexually assaulted multiple times in the org by other members and uh, other leadership um, and was, you know, as you know, no one should be surprised to hear by this point, just consistently working under a persistently misogynist uh, esports culture in the club, just like constantly enduring sexist and really hurtful and diminishing comments on a regular basis. Um, I just kind of considered this the price of admission and let my passion just like kind of drive me um, in spite of all of that. But um, but yeah, it just it became this kind of really like it's it's now like a really bittersweet thing because I'm really proud of a lot of the stuff we do. We held like if not the first one of the first uh, international pro invitational tournaments for StarCraft 2 on a, like, f- created by a collegiate, um, team. Mm-hmm. And, um, but also, <laughs> like, a lot of trauma involved yeah. in that. Um, I was eventually, uh, effectively pushed out of the organization, um, by the other leadership. And it became a really heartbreaking and hard transition for me because I felt like, I not only lost like the future I'd envisioned and planned for myself, but I also lost what I thought was this found family that had become just like my whole world in this like new city, new um, university that I was in. So leaving college, um, I found my way into the public health nonprofit world. Um, you know, at the time during college, I was uh, very much perceived and presenting as female. Um, but uh, I eventually, a few years after that, came out um, as a trans non-binary person. That was also a windy road, but I got there. Um, and also just as like a queer bisexual person. Um, and so like started really pursuing a passion towards like queer and trans community, especially uh, queer communities of color. Um, and so I worked for uh, a few years um, at ALGO, which is a queer people of color organization in Austin as the health and wellness coordinator. I also um, volunteered with the Trevor Project as a crisis counselor. The Trevor oh, yeah. Project is a um, suicide hotline specifically for um, trans and queer youth. Um, and yeah, I just was really, um, loving serving like the queer community and, and creating spaces and holding spaces for them in a way that was holistic and also welcoming and warm. Um, 
And so, yeah, now in around like 2019, early 2020, um, this guy I play games with, <laughs> Chris, uh, he tells me that he's thinking about working, about like launching this games hotline. Um, and he knows I, I, you know, have a background in public health and also, uh, at the Trevor Project. And of course, I love gaming. <laughs> <laughs> and so he started uh, just like talking to me about um, about the hotline. I was really, really excited for a thing like that to exist just from my experiences in gaming and also in like esports community spaces. Uh, and so, yeah, I was like super happy to talk about it and um, help in whatever ways I could. And eventually they brought me on board in an official capacity. And um, now the hotline's launched and I'm just really, really grateful and excited every day for the work that we do. That's so great. I, uh, yeah, even as a, uh, a cisgender, uh, white guy, like I, even I have like, you know, heard of the Trevor project and, and like, it, it has positively impacted people I know and love. And, um, that's, that's crazy to think that, uh, uh, I'm, I'm so glad that like, you know, someone like yourself has like that kind of background in, uh, uh, support services like that. So as for how the games and online harassment hotline uh, operates. Walk me through. It's a really interesting concept. This like kind of text-based system. Walk me through how it operates from the user end and to the uh, support uh, representative end. Yeah, totally. Um, so the games and online harassment hotline is a totally free, confidential text message-based emotional support resource for anyone who makes or plays games. There's no gatekeeping, no gamer quiz, and it's yeah. for anyone <laughs> regardless of, of gender or age or, or their relationship to games. Um, it's, we, we just want to be here for folks. Um, and so we are open, um, every Monday through Friday from 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific time. Um, so to get, to get connected, um, someone would text the word support to 23368, which is our short code. Um, you can, if you forget it, you can find it on our website or Twitter or anything like that. Just search games hotline and we're there. Um, but yeah, so you support, you text support to 23368 and, um, it starts off with just kind of an automated, uh, kind of really short intake thing of it asks your name and you can give, uh, any name that you want. Uh, it can be your real name. It can be your nickname. It can be a totally fake name. Um, and then it, it just kind of asks you a little bit about what's on your mind. Again, this is still talking to the automated system. Um, and then once you get through that, it tells you, all right, like, thanks so much for reaching out. Um, we're going to work on getting you connected to a live agent to chat with you. Um, and so then that sends it into our system where we have uh, agents waiting on the other side. And so um, then... Uh, you know, once you get connected, um, a live person ready to talk like in real time will text you back and introduce themselves and just open up that space. Um, and so the live agent is there to listen to whatever you want to share in this like non-judgmental and emotionally like supportive space. We're just there for you, right? So um, it it can be about harassment or it could be about something going on at work or maybe you just went through a hard breakup and want someone to talk to um, or maybe it's something that happened like five, eight, ten, you know, 20 years ago and you, you just want a space to talk about it with someone who um, is like third party and, uh, you know, isn't going to share your secrets with anyone mm -hmm. um, and and also just like really just here to live. You're not burdening anyone. <laughs> you know, you're, this is like, this really is a space just for you. And so, yeah, come here to vent, um, talk about something going on, um, ask questions and we can explore them together. It's fully confidential. So, um, you know, 
we we're here to listen and to talk, but we will never kind of like share any of the information with anyone else. Um, and, uh, because it's emotional support, it's, it's not really like therapy or, mm-hmm. um, you know, like a legal advice line. Uh, we're totally here to like listen and talk through concerns or help consider options or paths forward. Um, and, um, you know, when it's needed, uh, offer resources or referrals to other organizations or groups and hopefully um, provide a space where folks feel um, more reassured that, you know, you're the only one who can make the best decision for yourself. Um, and also that, like, you know, whatever you're going through, you're not alone and we're all connected and interdependent on each other. And there's folks out there who want to listen and want to believe you. Yeah, and I, I think it's such a fascinating thing that, um, of course, it, it's text-based, and I'm sure a part of that is to just, g- in general, uh, protect both the user and the support representative um, uh, because of especially the, the volatile nature of the industry. But uh, when in, in the, I think I have called a, like, like suicide prevention or, like, mental health uh, crisis hotline maybe three or four times in my mm-hmm. life uh, that I can remember anyway. And uh, it, it is always an interesting first couple of minutes when, like, you are going through that automated, you know, uh, are you experiencing this? Press one. Uh, and they're they're just trying to, like, you know, connect you as quickly to a human being as possible. Um, but to, to be sent to a text system... Um, where you are, you know, just using using written words to communicate your feelings and the conflicts that are inside of you or outside of you. Um, I, I I I know plenty of people. I think I would be more of a verbal like exchange kind of person, but I know mm. so many people who um, really do believe that like you know they, they communicate better when it's written out like that. Um, mm-hmm. They you know are able to you know maybe they maybe it's uh, still a rant um, you know like ten text messages but like they get yeah. it out there they get it out there in a in a calm uh, thought out way rather than uh, letting it spill from them in a less constructive way mm-hmm. you know and it's it's funny you mentioned too that like this is uh, th- this hotline is in many ways about emphasizing that like hey we're all here and connected. Because uh, in 2019, like, you know, video games had their own Me Too moment and the hotline really cites this as one of the primary uh, genesis points uh, for the the inspiration to form this hotline. Uh, You know, the video game industry, different companies and uh, different women or feminine presenting people or uh, non-binary presenting people, a number of marginalized identities all came out. Uh, and we're encouraged by other people coming out to create this snowball effect of you know, accusations about um, harassment uh, being and, and systemic harassment being taken place uh, in the industry. Yeah. And part of the reason why it seems like things and 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 cultures like that propagate and and persist is a feeling of isolation, right? Can you tell me a little bit about your thoughts about that sense of isolation in this? very unique industry and culture yeah uh it's um it's it's this wild thing i feel like there's there's so many like ways that um you know systemic oppression uh really really shifts like blame to the people who are you know victimized or targeted um by those very systems of oppression Right. Um, I think part, part of it has to do with like, um, you know, majority demographic stuff of like when, for example, when there are so few women in your space or on your team, um, it, your position and your power and your, you know, voice in there already feels so kind of perilous of like, there's not a lot of people around there that look like you or, um, or maybe there are just a few and everyone's kind of eyeing each other suspiciously or, um, 
worrying um about who's gonna say the wrong thing and, and hurt everyone or um it's it's just this really unfair position that so many people are put into um where where they feel like I was explaining earlier uh, in my experience of like that there is a price of admission um that you know to be a woman in a game space you just have to put up with the sexual objectification, with the really inappropriate comments, with um, people, you know, making passes at you in professional spaces or or worse, you know, like um, with uh, folks sexually assaulting you or touching you in unwanted ways um, or asking you to dress a certain way that's not appropriate mm. for a professional space, you know, like these are, these are really, really ubiquitous experiences. Um, and they happen to so, so many people. And yet, um, when it's happening to you, it feels like you're kind of just stuck in this like scary, lonely space. And, um, no one else is talking about it maybe or it feels like no one else is talking about it it feels like everyone else is just going on as normal so like it's so easy to fall into a space of like am i crazy like is this just happening in my own head like Absolutely, you know yeah. um and so and so that's incredibly incredibly isolating and so definitely one of the huge drivers of um starting the games and online harassment hotline um was just this fundamental belief and truth that um, we feel and know that it can be such a significant thing just to be heard and believed, right? Just to have a space where um, folks can go and, you know, be kind of just like unconditionally supported um, and listened to um, can just that in itself, even, you know, even without um, anything else changing, that can be a really, really significant thing. Right. Yeah, I've, I've uh, through my partner who uh, has, has lived through uh, a very particular um, set of experiences, mm -hmm. I have learned like the, really what the power of um, uh, be, being acknowledged and, yeah. and having someone be like, hey, that thing you went through is mm -hmm. not normal and is not okay. Uh, and you know, it, it wasn't actually, you know, the result of anything you did or thought mm -hmm. or whatnot. And it's a very powerful feeling to have someone for the first time, or maybe just the first time in a long time, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, willingly acknowledge and believe experiences and be willing to discuss yeah. them. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, kind of like in that same space, like we, you know, these have been like pervasive and ongoing issues with like deep roots, especially in the games industry and mm -hmm. games culture. Um, you know, 20, 20, uh, 2019 saw like a really big Me Too moment in the games industry that, you know, is continuing to come and go in waves. Um, and then also uh, this year, I feel like there have been a lot more, there's been a lot more momentum too around addressing racism in um, a lot of these like gaming companies and stuff as well yeah. um so yeah it's it's and it's it's just it's it's been ha it's not a new thing you know it might be a little the hashtags might be new and you know the the waves of folks speaking up in this like really powerful and collective way is uh feels feels new feels um like something that couldn't happen uh maybe just like five years ago um, but these, these experiences have been going on for just such a, such a long time. And what we, what we see and what we've, <laughs> what so many of us have experienced is that the existing options and paths, um, for folks who have been harassed or experienced abuse or just, you know, <laughs> existing kind of under the like, you know, atm oppressive atmosphere um, in a lot of these spaces. So the existing options, like they are either aren't working really, or they aren't really helping people heal, right? So, um, you know, if you are, whether it's in the workplace or in a game or in a community, um, you know, if something happens, 
there are reporting systems that have been implemented, right? You can report someone for using hate speech in a game, or you can report someone to HR, or you can like try to talk to folks in the community about it. Um, but a lot of those systems, um, of course, the community aspect, I, I, I want to leave maybe separate that's a little bit more nuanced. But, you know, in games and in HR things, like, mm-hmm. those those exist, <laughs> but yeah. um, they often are either just re-traumatizing um, or they, you know, don't, they really exist to cover up for folks in power, which usually right. you know, are the people doing the harm. Um, or, or, you know, even maybe the like best case scenario is that, you know, the person, someone gets fired or someone that this specific account gets banned, not that they can't just make a new account. Um, but like, and, and maybe like, that's not, even if you get that, like, you know, best case outcome, maybe that's not even really what you want, you know, as the survivor. Um, and so that doesn't super work, doesn't really help people heal a lot of the times. And then now, um, you know, more recently it's become more, uh, pervasive for folks to try public shaming right um Mm. so doing a really big public call out post um and that you know is is a a way for um survivors to kind of have a little bit more control of their narrative and say things you know on their own platform um, and get amplified through a collective community experience but again um that doesn't always lead to like the results that folks want and um and also that just isn't available for a lot of folks like a lot of folks can't can't afford to to do a public shaming campaign or speak out in that way or a lot of people don't want to you know um and so like those that kind of feels like this like you know dichotomy of choices currently of like okay something's happened to me i'm hurting a lot I'm carrying all this trauma. I could either report through a really like formal means and not really get what I want or slash face more trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Or I could maybe try public shaming, which is hard and scary and could have really negative consequences, could also have really positive consequences and and help me find community, um, but also could come with like, you know, public backlash or um, or it's just not something I'm willing to do or wanting to do. Um, we really hope that the games hotline can provide something like in, in between all of that of, um, you know, maybe you don't know what the right path forward is yet. Um, maybe you just for today just need someone to talk to and someone to believe you because you feel so in your head or you feel like, um, you know, nobody else is you're talking about this or no one else is validating your experience uh jumping off of what we were talking about previously we were kind of like hedging alongside uh community focused aspects of the industry and and what the hotline is catering to Uh, of course the games industry is uh carrying some really unique baggage uh it's it's an extremely online culture Mm -hmm. um you know from from the get-go people are telling you like gotta make a twitter account in (laughs) hindsight maybe not the best (laughs) advice uh of course it it can be a very public facing career or it can be a really isolated career depending on like what kind of field you work in uh and it's also a relatively uh youthful demographic makeup uh people burn out um Mm -hmm. well before they exit their 30s if they make it to their 30s at all Mm -hmm. and does this present you guys at the hotline um, with like unique challenges or just spur unique conversations about well how do we this is a really particular group of people uh with plenty of diversity inside of it but uh it's a very particular kind of people does that spur those kinds of conversations about like how do we best support those folks yeah, definitely. Um, that's, that's another one of our like, um, really huge, uh, kind of driving, like, goals for this hotline is to, um, create a space that can hold all of this, right? That, um, we've just, like, some, some stuff that we've heard from folks over the years has been, 
that, you know, a developer goes to a therapist to try to, like, explain, like, the, all the, like, trouble, like, they're, like, going throughout work, or someone who's been, like, really intensely harassed, um, online, uh, maybe goes to a hotline to try to get support, and, um, what they hear kind of as a first response, you know, instead of, you know, really holding that space with the person and being like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Instead, it's like, wait, what's Discord? Or like, (laughs) (laughs) we'll just stop playing that game. Or I can't believe someone would treat you like that in at work. Like that seems, you know, just that's, that's, kind of overblown or ridiculous or you must be exaggerating um because you know i i kind of kind of get it like some of these experiences they're hard to explain because they one again like we said they're they're so pervasive that it's it's often not just one thing right it's like uh, like all these things that happen day in day out week in week out um that kind of build up um, or it's, there's something about just like how constant it is that that's what wears you down. Um, and to kind of, especially in a moment of crisis or in a moment where you're feeling just really vulnerable and really wanting to reach out for help, that is not really the moment that like you need to be explaining like what Discord is or like how games crunch culture works, right? Like, <laughs> um, we like you want to talk to someone that you don't have to explain that to yeah Mm -hmm. so that's like really what we feel like we bring um so much value to as the games hotline is that um the folks you'll be talking to the folks on the line um they already get it they already know um what this culture is like they already know kind of at least a fundamental of like you know like what what it's like being a like what it's like being in the industry or being a content creator um you won't have to explain like twitch chat to them (laughs) um (laughs) and so you know in addition to being uh culturally kind of competent in games you also mentioned kind of like um the like the the dynamics in the spaces um and we've already talked a lot about it um in this conversation but of course we also want to take an intentional approach to holding um holding this emotional support space when it comes to power and oppression which often play a role in situations of abuse and harassment right and so um you know it's it's also not gonna be like oh yeah they're you know (laughs) Um, it's, it's just, people are just saying mean words to you, you know, or this is, you know, don't, don't let the, you know, don't let that, you know, the trolling get to you. Um, we, we want to have a space where, um, we have an understanding that, you know, there are power dynamics at play and, um, that like harassment and trolling are different things, right? Harassment is when, um, when there is power leveraged, um, mm. in this, in, in the, in the behavior and in the attacks. And, and so we also want to be here to like validate the reality of those dynamics, right? Because, um, like I think something you said earlier is that like, you know, a a lot, like, a lot of people experience harassment, even, um, even people who belong in the, like, um, kind of more powerful majority, like, uh, cis, white, straight men, like, also experience, like, you know, (laughs) like, it's a really bullshit, like, online. Mm -hmm. The number of times I've had to explain to my, like, 59-year-old mother, uh, like, you know, yeah, a neo-Nazi called me a (laughs) cuck today on Twitter, Uh. or, like, I... Or, like, I wrote something that was critical and, like, a little, try like, trying to be progressive and, like, mm-hmm. you know, a dude made a YouTube video about me once and, like, I Great. got dogpiled for a day, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, like, that just goes over her head, unfortunately, yeah. and, you know, the only thing she can respond with is, why are you working in this field again? I'm like, I don't know. Like, if you find an answer, let me know. <laughs> but, uh, right. yeah, it's the, the importance of 
people who speak the same language as you is so invaluable. And I think this kind of touches on one of the questions I had planned for later, but I think I'll just bring it up now is like uh, you you mentioned you had previously done some work with the Trevor Project, which Mm -hmm. is a hotline for um, LGBT youth, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, that is the importance of that is showing those kids who probably feel the most isolated they've ever felt in their entire lives uh, that like, hey, you're not alone. Like, I'm like you or here's where you can find people like yourself and like the experiences you're going through definitely suck. But, you know, you're not alone in it. And tell me a little bit about like the importance of, yeah, the. Uh, speaking the same language as uh, the people who are calling a support hotline like that and what that kind of um, imparts upon people who, who need that help. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like having, having a space where uh, like I've said already, like this, this is a non-judgmental space, right? You can bring whatever you're going through, you know, whether, you know, maybe it's something you feel a little shameful about, or maybe it's about someone that you actually really, really care about and have a lot of love and respect for, but maybe they did something that was really hurtful and you're not sure how to talk about it with anyone. Um, or, or maybe it's, it's just something that you, um, you're, you're not sure how to feel about yet, you know? Um, Hotlines provide this really um, special and uh, unique kind of space that is just really fully confidential and also non-judgmental and here just for you to um, be active listeners and offer emotional support and um, just really be there to like hear whatever you have to say and validate you and offer affirmation and um, and believe you. Uh, and that can that can be really really impactful for folks. Yeah, I, I imagine too. Like that's a probably a, a, the the hotline employs the um, expertise of people like uh, Julia Diagostino. I hope I pronounced that right. A, a trauma therapist uh, who's on the advisory board mm-hmm. um, for you guys. And uh, uh, like I I have been to therapy and and. Uh, plenty of people I love have done both individual therapy and group therapy. And I think one of the, uh, that, that ties into, um, group therapy in the sense of like, you're, you're sharing a space with people who have ostensibly gone through similar Mm -hmm. or the same things as you and, and, uh, uh, sharing those feelings in a safe place that, um, uh, doesn't feel like it, it's dangerous to feel misunderstood or or that uh, uh, that no one can understand what you're going mm-hmm. through, right? That's that's a definitely a big thing that has come up in both my uh, uh, depression treatment and my partners and and plenty of other people I yeah. know and love. I I don't know if you would have uh, a particular expertise on this, but like. Uh, tell me a little bit about what some of these people like on the advisory board kind of bring to the table. Cause like you, so the mm-hmm. two staff members are yourself and Anita Sarkeesian, yes. uh, who needs no introduction mm-hmm. and, uh, advisory board, you have Julia Diagostino, the trauma therapist. Uh, you mentioned Christopher Vu Ganden Lay, mm-hmm. uh, hotline technical specialist with like 20 years of experience. Uh, Eve Crevoche, the exec director of take this. Uh, Kishana Gray, a professor over at a uh, University of Illinois Chicago, go U of I, uh, and then like a security expert, Lee Honeywell, uh, and others. What are those people kind of bringing, and like, what are like the more um, uh, insightful uh, aspects of uh, building a hotline like this that they've brought to the table, in your opinion? Uh, I could gush about our advisory board forever. <laughs> Please, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think our advisory board, uh, really puts together just quite a dream team, um, that also really reflects, like, um, some of our, like, core values and what we want to bring to this work. So you've already talked a little bit about, um, you know, Julia. And, um, you know, of course, although we don't offer, uh, you know, therapy through the hotline, um, we wanted this work to be guided by someone who's, um, experience as a therapist and experience. Um, she also has a ton of experience, um, 
kind of training for hotlines and and working um, on rape crisis hotlines, um, which also have a really um, valuable uh, kind of angle of like um, gender justice and um, anti anti violence kind of work. Um, and so, yeah, so, uh, bringing kind of that perspective to help us guide the ways that we, um, train the, uh, agents to kind of respond in a compassion forward way and also stand by survivors, um, has been just really invaluable, um, having her guidance along, um, similarly, uh, Eve, who is the ED of Take This, which is an, really awesome um mental health org uh that serves I got one of their uh, the games their community. wood shield oh things. amazing uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah they're so great if uh if you've ever been to a pax they run the afk rooms and they make uh, yeah. just like a ton of like mental health resources available um specifically to the games community um and so she has just this like um extra layer of understanding of so many different parts of the games community, um, of players, of developers, of folks working in the industry. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so having her on board and having take this, um, kind of really help inform our work has also been really, really helpful in, in keeping us grounded and, and rooted in, you know, community focused work. Um, and then, um, you know, we've talked about harassment a lot about getting dogpiled on Twitter and getting, um, <laughs> you know, backlash after speaking out. Uh, a lot of those involve security concerns. And so we also have Lee Honeywell, who, uh, who founded Tall Poppy, which is a really, really amazing, um, online security resource it's beautiful too uh which i I feel like we don't see enough in (laughs) security resources it's just so beautifully designed (laughs) um but yeah she uh, she runs tall poppy and and she's just uh the way she talks about security just has changed my life honestly um but yeah we we want to make sure that we also have kind of a foundational understanding and are able to bring um to the folks who call um or who to text in if they if they want um some guidance and support around um online security for example if they're thinking about making a call out um we can help offer like a list of you know recommendations uh to make um before doing that or if they're being attacked currently there are also some things you know internet security wise that could bring a little bit peace of a little bit more peace of mind or provide a little bit more protection as folks are trying to target you. Um, and so having, having that on board is also just really, really valuable. Um, Cat Lowe is also just brilliant around, uh, security and, um, moderation in communities and, um, in the research that, uh, she does. And who am I missing? Oh, Kishana. Um, Kishana is so brilliant. I feel like I, I learn from her like every time that I interact with her. Um, <laughs> Professors she, are a different breed. I know, people. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, um, she wrote this really, really, uh, um, really, really impactful book called Intersectional Tech, which looks at, um, uh, black experiences of gamers and, uh, you know, among many other things. And, um, the super highly recommend the book. Um, but also just her work, um, you know, as a professor and just as a brilliant human being. Um, she has such a, oh, an amazing social justice lens, um, especially around race and gender, um, that we feel like informs, uh, again, you know, the in- intentional holding of, this space that um, mm. can validate and account for, you know, the role of power and oppression as they come into play in situations of abuse and harassment. I, I definitely wanted to ask, um, you know, considering uh, Anita Sarkeesian is on the board, and you guys are also very uh, clear about citing um, Zoe Quinn and Crash mm-hmm. Override as uh, uh, being pioneers in this work. Um, what are obviously like, uh, harassment in this industry did not start with those people and it will not necessarily end with those people, but, uh, 
what what aspects of their work um, are you guys taking and incorporating into um, how you support folks and how you support yourselves and um, uh, what what are the things that like professionals like yourselves maybe have caught on to that uh, casual observers like myself um, may not. A quick question: Anita is the uh, director of the hotline, um, not quite on the board. Um, and oh, sorry, yeah, no staff on an advisory <laughs> yeah. board. Yeah, it's it's a, a word, a jumble of words. What are titles anyway? Um, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Crash Override, which was um, really founded and and um, with so much heart put in from Zoe Quinn. Um, was is we consider it kind of like a spiritual predecessor um for our work uh crash override um was this really really um vital and ambitious project um to uh start and 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 run this grassroots really community focused organization that offered everything from crisis helpline assistance to like victim advocacy um, I think they did some like policy, uh, they, they dipped their toes in some policy work and offered, uh, online security resources as well. Um, really just like leveraging so much of the knowledge and experience that they had to offer this vital help and support to folks, to like real people who are being harassed online. And, um, it was, it was really, really amazing the work that they did. Um, I think it, it, uh, they ended up passing, passing that work along to other folks in around 2018, I believe. Um, and so opening a new hotline for folks being harassed, um, you know, among other things, uh, definitely feels like we are standing on their shoulders in many ways. And, uh, they really showed us a way that, um, you could run this work and be, really uh focused on you know the people most directly impacted and also um also to create a space that is just fully open and, and welcome to anyone who reaches out regardless of gender race religion age or any other identity um and yeah and and also you know like them we want to bring that um, intentional understanding of power to the space. They really modeled mm -hmm. that in a really special way. Um, so, yeah, we, we don't do exactly what they do. We our, our work has shifted a little bit in scope. So, for example, um, I guess, like, the services we offered have narrowed considerably. You know, we, we only offer, you know, the hotline assistance and emotional support uh, mm -hmm. we don't do the same level of like case management and victim advocacy that they do however we've also widened our target audience beyond just folks currently experiencing online harassment um, you know we also want to talk to folks working in the industry working around the industry content creators um, and folks playing games, folks, uh, playing like professional level esports, everything in between. Um, and this allows us, uh, um, you know, this allows us to offer a level of full confidentiality that wouldn't be possible otherwise. Um, we, you know, like I said before, we'll never share the contents of your conversation with anyone mm -hmm. else outside the hotline, you know, never your employer will never report on your behalf. We'll never, um, you know, contact other official entities like the, you know, we, we won't call the police on you. We won't, um, you know, alert any, uh, you know, big organizations. We also won't, um, we won't do that, um, for the folks who might have hurt you, you know, like that's just, we don't see that as our role. We're just here to listen. Right. Um, and that, you know, that kind of gives our agents, um, this kind of special freedom to, just care about supporting you and giving you space to be heard. And that is incredible. And I, I am very grateful that there is a service like this out there um, operating the way it does and uh, hopefully only continues to uh, grow and succeed. And if people are interested in reaching out to get support or support you guys by volunteering or donating, where can they find you? 
Yeah. Um, so again, to, to access the hotline itself, um, just text support to 23368. Um, and this, uh, it's a short code, so it only works in the U.S. And we are open every Monday through Friday, um, from 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, if you want to just check out our, check out more of, um, what we do and, um, our social media presence on the internet, uh, you can find us at Games Hotline on everything, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, uh, and, uh, you can also, uh, visit our website at gameshotline.org. Um, on the website, we have links to donate. You know, this is a f- totally free service. Uh, we'll never charge anyone for using the hotline, but it is very expensive to run a hotline, it turns yeah. out. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, Feminist Frequency, you know, has always run, um, so much off of individual donations and from folks, uh, you know, supporting us through the community. So that would be a really awesome way to support us. We've also been super lucky and privileged to have, um, an amazing, uh, handful of folks, uh, run charity streams for us. That's been really, really awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. We have, so we have a streamer kit on our website as well with a bunch of assets and everything. Um, and you can also contact us through there if you ever have any questions or, uh, want access to, um, or, or want, you know, access to certain, certain pieces of information or the streamer kit itself. Uh, if you can't find it, um, you can also always just ask us there. Well, I hope that, you know, whoever takes the time to listen to this episode, you know, if you need assistance, you know, you have a resource here. And of course, uh, we at the 1099 hope that you are all doing okay. No matter when you listen to this, I am sure it is going to be a uh, particularly weird time in everyone's life over the next uh, couple weeks slash years slash decades. Um, But yeah, make sure that you guys are all taking care of yourself. And Jalen, thank you again so, so much for taking some time out of your day. I really appreciate you and the work you guys are doing. Thanks so much for having us on. I love to talk about this work. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. And I love to let people talk about it. And you can find more conversations like these uh, at the 1099 podcast on Twitter uh, and on any uh, podcast streaming platform you prefer. We are on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, all the big ones. And feel free to uh, leave a review, uh, rate the show. That helps us climb the charts and... uh, beat all those uh, big name streamers who uh, put ads in their shows like a bunch of (laughs) capitalist pigs. But uh, (laughs) uh, yeah, make sure to uh, and you can also follow me at Joseph Noop, J-O-S-E-P-H-K-N-O-O-P. And once again, folks, take care and stay safe.